Welcome back to the Mainstream Paranormal Podcast. I am your host, Merle, with me as always, my co-host, Larry. How's it going, guys? We're here as always to discuss thing, all things paranormal. We'll also touch on some conspiracies, a little true crime, good old cryptids, and other out-of-this-world topics. So if anyone has any topic they would like for us to discuss, and just dig us up on Facebook. Our intro music was brought to you by Shortcut Productions. This is going to be an interesting episode today. Yes, it is. So, so what are we going to store for everybody today, tomorrow? This is actually going to be some stories coming up from. Uh, some listeners are sending some stories to us. However, I, I've, I've got a, um, I guess, a interesting um, news article I read okay. over the weekend. It um, Is it paranormal? Actually, it's not. It's it's just kind of one of those funny, ah, okay. really, right. really that happened, you know, kind of thing. This actually happened in um, Munich, Germany. Said a court court in Munich, Germany said it must be said it must be assumed the hunter will handle firearms and ammunition carelessly in the future. This is why. It says a, a German court has ruled that a dog owner isn't fit to carry a firearms license after his dog shot him with a rifle. The dog shot him. <laughs> the dog shot him. It says uh, the Munich uh, Administrative Court dismissed the man's appeal against an earlier decision by Bavarian authorities to withdraw his license to own a rifle as well as his hunting permit. Um, the decision followed a 2016 incident in which the, uh, the man, a passionate hunter, was shot in the arm after his dog managed to release the trigger on a loaded rifle that was lying in his car. Wow. <laughs> the court ruled that the hunter um, couldn't be relied upon because it must be assumed that he will handle firearms and ammunition carelessly in the future as well. The man <laughs> whose name wasn't released can't appeal the verdict. Jeez. I mean, both of us are, at, you know, avid hunters. It's just, right. it's, it's funny that you get shot by your own dog. I guess the dog didn't like to be treated that way anymore, you know? Mm. I ain't fetching nothing. You go get it. Makes you wonder what, what he was hunting, you know? Yeah. You know? Because I don't know if they use dogs for deer and stuff over there. If, well, he said a hunting rifle, so maybe. I don't think you're going to hunt ducks or something with a rifle. Not over there, no. It's going to be a shotgun, pretty yeah. much, over and under. Yeah. Um, well, I, just, I just happened to see that, and I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting, you know. That That's crazy. I mean, I'm pretty sure the dog was pretty pissed off, so he did it in anger. So maybe the dog, you know, got yeah, insanity I mean, or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to release, you know, how's the dog going to release the trigger, you know? Unless the guy, like in you know, like they're claiming was an idiot and had the weapon cocked when he put it in the vehicle, and the dog happened to step on the trigger, 
Yeah. You know, that's the only thing I can think of. But here in the States, you know, we are required as hunters, whenever we put a weapon in the vehicle, to put it in unloaded. Yeah. So, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Which apparently, you know, since it said that he handled his firearms and ammunition carelessly in yep. the future, you know, maybe they're not supposed to carry him loaded either, and he just did, you know. Well, it came back to bite him. No pun intended. <laughs> But yeah, I thought, you know, thought it was kind of interesting and thought I'd share it with everybody. So. I like that story. That was a good one. Yeah, I thought you would since, you know. Yeah. You know, both of us are, yeah. And not only do we hunt ghosts, but we hunt animals too. Deer, turkey, duck, and pigs. I gotta watch what I said right there. Every time I try to set something right there, my mic shakes. <laughs> Earthquake! <laughs> but this is, you know, it's a, a little bit different than, you know, our normal, um, you know, conspiracies or, um, you know, uh, investigations mm-hmm. that we've done. You know, this is, today, you know, today's episode, you know, it's, it's actually brought brought to us by you know one of our listeners yeah he uh, contacted us on Facebook you know yep. said he had this experience and he wanted to share it with you know with everybody so that kind of gave us the idea you know after we finish up with his story you know we'll have some other stories from other listeners that have yeah. sent stuff in which plus we may have you know a couple of our own yeah we will uh, disclose some of our own personal experiences. Um, we uh, we're truly thankful for everybody that listens to us and has sent in um, these stories. Um, so this is our tribute to you guys. So I guess we can uh, call it a viewer night or listener night. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, this yeah. story is brought to us by a guy named Andrew Dexter. Um, so what we've actually done is we've got a video clip um, that was sent to us. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to play that video for you guys. And that way you guys can hear the audio. And then after that, we're going to get back to our um, discussion our discussion and um, other um, stories that we have for you guys. So, so the, this is actually going to be um, Andrew Dexter, um, his own words, trying to get the equipment set up so we can play it, play it good here, make sure everybody can hear it. Let me get this thing loaded. So, here we go. A true ghost story that happened to be in my family many years ago. My family and I lived at a large property called Gladstone Villa in the former mining town of Baragoid in the Kifiti County Borough of the South Wales Valleys near Cardiff. Um, in that property there was my maternal grandparents, uh, William George Hake and his wife Rita, William, Bill known to his family and friends, 
and it was my, my parents, of course, um, Douglas and Caroline Dexter. They were newly married, and uh, we simply experienced things that uh, was beyond any rational explanation. You know, it just simply defied it, really. Um, there were footsteps, there was minor poltergeist activity, um, actual sightings, though this was very rare indeed. Um, my mother said that uh, it all started off quietly in the attic. Uh, they heard a noise one day. Uh, this was when I was a baby, so soon after I was born, it was. Um, they heard a noise, and of course the family thinking that they may have had a break in. It was in the uh, attic. The, 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 they looked, and uh, it sounded like somebody was jumping on the, the, the landing from the attic. And uh, when they went when they went there, they found nothing there. But the hatch door was open. Now whatever it was, eventually occupied itself in the main bedroom, which was incidentally my grandparents' room. That was the main bedroom. Um, all sorts of things was going on. Uh, um, as I was a baby at the time, I was too young to remember when it started. So my mother said there was all sorts of things going on. Like one day. My mother checked the cot and the uh, pillow in my cot was torn right in half, as she says. And uh, a friend of a friend said that uh, when I was a baby it got so bad that they had to take me from the bedroom because uh, what was going on there. Um, yeah, uh, as I got older I experienced it for myself. I heard the footsteps that were going on, that was uh, most evenings, um, well actually, it was sometimes ha it'll happen during the day, but uh, mainly in the evening when we was all watching television downstairs, um, yeah, there was, uh, one of us would turn the television down to hear it more clearly, my grandfather would say, oh, it's by here, what's by there now? and he would just try to pinpoint just exactly what it was, but, uh, yeah. There was one evening, and this is true, I was in the bedroom, that haunted bedroom, and, uh, I was lying on the bed, facing the window, out to the street. The light was on, and I... It was all quiet and I suddenly felt something jump on the bed. Now I I didn't look sure of it because obviously I was scared. But when I did eventually look, there was nothing there. Now it felt like an animal. You know, um, I went downstairs to see my family to tell them what it was. And they all went up there. And they found claw marks on the bed. That is true. I found out at some point that my grandfather kept a dog. A Labrador, a black Labrador dog called Toby, and it died before I was born. So uh, that explains that. <coughs> um, yeah, there was one day that uh, my grandmother got my grandfather out of bed. She said, Get up. And as she said that, the door that had the, the boiler in 
flung right open. Now she didn't stay to see what it was. She just left that room in a bit of a hurry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she never found out what that was. Uh, another family friend, uh, Mr. Fred Davis. He used to work. My godfather used to work with him uh, in the, the, the pit, the, the, down the mines, and he would visit most evenings. And I remember one particular day, it was again very quiet. He, Fred came to see us, always sat by the fireside, always sat by the fireplace. And I was playing by the sideboard, as children do. Um, suddenly there was a loud bang. It was so loud that Fred ducked his head. And he later said, well, it was all quiet. That he thought it was so loud, he thought it was going to come through. Now, when it was all quiet, like I said, we all went upstairs. My grandfather would always be first and I'd be last. And when we got to the bedroom, there was nothing to account for that noise. Nothing. I remember the, the, uh, the poltergeist activity. There were lights going off and on. There was cables being pulled. Uh, the television going off and on. Um, at one point, my grandfather claimed that... Uh, he was in the bedroom one day. He was lying on the bed. He couldn't move. He was paralyzed. He couldn't shout out to us to call us to help him. And then he heard the bed. Actually, he heard the the, uh, the floorboards creaking. And I think he said he saw something, if I remember rightly. But he said he couldn't move. Um, at one point, my my mother and my grandfather, Bill came to hear a baby crying. Now at the time, I didn't take much notice because I didn't hear this. All the years I was there, I never even saw it. Uh, but they said they heard a baby crying. Um, another family friend, Mrs. Ivy France, she came to visit. Now she didn't believe my grandmother when my grandmother told her that Gladstone Villa was haunted. Um, I could still remember Ivy going up into the bedroom to investigate this, what was going on. And she said, Ivy said it was vibrations from the traffic outside causing it. Now her opinion was soon to change when she experienced it for herself and it was her that uh, decided to get the medium involved and also the press was mentioned but my grandmother didn't want the press because she felt of course she didn't want to be ridiculed by it. Uh, so um, yeah the, when the medium called, the local medium called, I think it was uh, his name was John Matthews, he questioned the family uh, and when he finally began, he challenged the spirit to perform. He knocked on the ceiling a couple of times, and uh, sure enough, the, the spirit knocked back at him. And at some point, the, the medium went into a trance to try and make contact with it. But he failed to get a name, but when he came around, uh, he said, you know, what was blatantly obvious, there was a presence there, and it, it was an earthbound spirit. There was a priest uh, uh, that came as well. Um, he said some prayers and blessed the house. And it was quiet for a few short months after that. But uh, it did return. And with a vengeance. Uh, there was one evening where my grandmother was reading a book on the settee. My grandfather Bill and my mother and I was watching television. 
my mother just so happened to turn towards my grandmother, reading the book, and she saw the full figure of a monk standing behind the sofa near the doorway. I didn't see it. We didn't see it because uh, we didn't take it in order to watching watching the television or reading a book. My, my mother later described the monk in full typical monk's habit with the hood over the head so she didn't see the face she just looked one minute and it was gone um, yeah but I too heard like a monk's chant in the bit in the in the bathroom um, we was going to the bathroom and my grandfather couldn't open the door and he said he's behind there you know, he just couldn't open that door. And I hear the, the Gregorian chant. Oh, it sounded like it. <clears throat> it did get so bad that uh, we we slept downstairs with the lights on, really. Because um, we were that scared. Uh, and we had it for so long that um, my grandmother, Rita, gave it a name. She called it Johnny. And every now and then my grandfather would mock the spirit to try and get a reaction and he'd shout, Johnny O! Look, of course nothing happens. We moved in the summer of 1978 when two local businessmen um, bought the property and we moved. Uh, yeah, so uh, the property became Red Park Hotel and uh, the staff told me when I had my 40th birthday there in 2009 um, that they heard noises and they occasionally see, seen things and footsteps and things and uh, um, I did some research into the history of the area the, the, the property is, is located in Cardiff Road in Baragoid and uh, directly opposite is a pub called the Rafa that's one of the oldest buildings in Baragoid dating back to the 17th century. There's a priest hide there, apparently, I was told, and uh, that explains the monk my mother saw. I also discovered that Gladstone Villa was named after a prime minister called William Gladstone, and um, the Kimiat family lived there in 1924, uh, Michael and his wife Evelyn, and their baby son e um, Elvin. Now, he was only four months old when he died there. Um, so that explains the the, uh, the baby crying that my mother and my grandfather heard. Uh, what I've said here is the truth. It is really the truth. And today being Halloween, I thought I'd share this with you. And I wouldn't lie, you know. And uh, I'd have nothing to gain by that because obviously people get caught in lies. And I challenge anyone to sort of like check it out. And those who don't believe, I can assure you, will most certainly have their belief system challenged. And, uh, yes, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Okay, bye. All right, sorry about that little crackling. <laughs> yeah. So apparently he recorded this on Halloween. Mm. I believe him. I do too. Um, some of the things, you know, that he said that it's more like 
you know, talking about the ba- the baby, you know, that explains the baby. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mean that but it was that baby. Right. Because if the if the area was that old, mm-hmm. then it's just residual from some other babies. Right. Not just that baby. Right. I mean, it could explain it, but that doesn't mean it did. Right. Same thing with the monk. I mean, that one... Well, if there, was a, if there was a priesthood there... Well, it was across the street. Right. Right. It could be any monk. Right. So, yeah. A monk. Now, as far as the, the dog... And the scratches. The claw marks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't know what just happened. I mean, that, you know. Okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, apparently, the dog liked little kids. So, he jumped on the bed. Yeah. Instead of going back to his owner. Right, I mean, he, you know, they did say they had some poltergeist activity. Yeah. But from everything he said, it didn't seem like it was, you know, threatening. Right. So, I mean, it was one that of those. would make sense that, you know, the claw marks were from a dog. Yeah. Or animal instead of, you know, something more heinous. Yeah. You know. Because if it was, it would, things would have escalated. Mm-hmm. So... But I believe him, and on the video that he sent, his facial features as he's telling the story, he's actually, you can actually tell he's remembering some Mm -hmm. of this, instead of making it up. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like he's, you know, he's not reading it. No. So you know it's, you know, coming, coming straight from him. So, I mean, I mean, it's a pretty interesting video, um. He seems like a pretty genuine guy, you know? Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people are going to come out publicly and say this is what's going on because they're going to, there's a risk of ridicule and that's something they're, they're not going to go through. Right. So, Andrew, we, you know, we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Definitely enjoy it. That rain's coming down hard. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just so so everybody knows, we're we're in a room that's pretty well in you know, sound insulated. However, it's been raining so hard here lately that, I mean, yeah, parts of parts of Mississippi are flooded. Part of um, Alabama's flooded. Tennessee. Yeah, and it's just it's coming down. It's crazy. So I mean, you know, when the, this podcast, you know, this episode is released, you know, it may be. You know, it may not be raining, you know, right. at that time, but... And today is uh, February 23rd, and the time for us right now is 5.11 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has been going on for two weeks now, the rain? Mm, no, not quite. About a week, week and a half, maybe. Let's see here. Yeah. But it's it's been raining... Non-stop? Non-stop so hard that... I mean, they've closed schools because, yeah, you know, buses couldn't get down them down the roads and stuff. Some places, uh, one I saw one picture where a apartment complex actually um, 
someone had used their kayak and took a picture from the kayak um, at someone's apartment's complex because it was so much water. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of people in their boats, like, in the middle of a park, you know? Yeah. Um, well, what picture was that? Uh, Fame, Tuscumbia? Oh, yeah. Tuscaloosa? The fan, fan, uh, it was in Tuscaloosa. Or, no, it was Tuscumbia. Tuscumbia? Yeah, yeah it was uh, for Fame, uh, the Fame uh, recording studio. Wow. I mean, that, it was at a park, so it was just kind of yeah. an advertisement for it. But the actual recording studio, it's, I mean, it's a world famous recording studio. Yeah, the uh, stop sign outside the building. Yeah. Um, it chilled water up to the bottom of the uh, stop sign itself. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, I, I mean, I take my kids to that park quite a bit. Jeez. Because they have, like, a lot of carnival rides and stuff. Yeah, I saw the carousel. And train rides and a little roller coaster and stuff like that. Yeah, all that's going to be have to redone now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't be going there anytime soon. No. But again, Andrew, Dexter, we appreciate your uh, story. Um and you're listening to us and your time to send it in to us appreciate it man thanks yeah thank you um let's see what else is on here uh hmm. some new stories um what you got for us tomorrow let's see i've got a um i got a story here okay. um, let's see if i can find it again I mean, you know, a lot of people have probably seen this one, or not, maybe not a lot of people, but um, it's called the Dead Girlfriend Facebook Ghost. Okay. Um, said um, you um, that people were left unnerved when a young man named Nathan revealed that he was receiving Facebook messages from his girlfriend Emily in 2014. Why was he so terrified? Because Emily had died in a car crash two years earlier. Wow. She began by recycling and resending old messages, which Nathan dismissed as a bug, but then she began tagging herself in these photos. Hmm. It's kind of weird. Yeah. That is strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a story here I'm going to read that was uh, sent to us. It was, uh, says here, I was in my room when I heard this loud crash come from the doorway of my home. I went out to where it was and saw the angel sculpture had fallen onto the floor. The thing is, the sculpture's string was placed on a metal hook, and the only, only way for it to be taken down is taking the string and pulling it up and over the hook. There's no way it could just fall. The string had to be compromised, but it wasn't. I didn't think much of it until I looked at the settings on my iPhone because I wanted to see how much space I had left. Because I was planning on going somewhere and taking a lot of photos. The space left on my phone was 6.66 gigabytes. I couldn't help but think of the whole quote unquote, the devil is a fallen angel 
end quote thing, and it was pretty que uh, creepy. Hmm. That would yeah. kind of creep you out. Yeah. You know, that happened, and you sit down at your, you know, your desk or your, and on your couch or something, going, okay, what pictures do I need to delete? And you look at your storage space, and it's says 6.66. Yeah. Yeah, I think that kind of freaks them. Um, okay, this one was sent to us by a um, listener named Abby. says, um, I was at a slumber party in the eighth grade with a few of my friends when we decided to have a seance in her, in her unfinished basement. Well, there, there's your problem right there. Yep. <laughs> we were having fun and giggling as we were trying to figure out who to summon when someone suggested, this is really stupid, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and I immediately got a pit in my stomach. Everybody knows, you know, Jack Ripper, mm -hmm. you know, serial killer from the late 1800s. Um, said, uh, uh, no, I spoke up. We, we shouldn't summon something evil. That's right, called a man's voice from the other side of the cellar. There were no boys or men there. We were home alone. Another girl and myself heard it. I'll never be the same. Hmm. That's kind of... <laughs> yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Um... We all do stupid stuff with uh, Ouija boards and stuff. And I, re I remember growing up, and uh, I had a Ouija board. It was just, just one of the board games. One of the, that, like, Milton Bradley. Yeah, uh, that you would get at Walmart or somewhere. I think I got mine at, like, a toy store. Yeah. But uh, we were using it, and we, you know, we'd get our couple friends from school, you know, sit down and use it, and we were, like... Uh, trying to communicate with people like uh, uh, Tony Odney from uh, Black Sabbath and stuff like that. You <laughs> yeah. know, and it, was, it was just crazy. And not long after that, uh, my sister started having nightmares about spiders. Oh, Lord. And um, I was told to get rid of the board. And I kept saying, all right, I will. Never did. And I kept getting in trouble because I didn't get rid of it so finally I just had enough of it so like an idiot I sat there and I tried to break the board now if you've ever bought one of these things from like the toy store you know it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of cardboard that's like folded and pressed together mm -hmm. believe it or not man that thing was the hardest thing to bend and break hmm. it was like a piece of wood I literally took it and uh, leaned it up against the wall. And you know how you can only take a piece of wood and do that and then stomp just right on it and it splits the wood in half? Mm -hmm. I couldn't even do that with this board. Wow. And when I finally got it broke, I was using my hand and I was like squeezing, squeezing, using my knee and it finally gave. And when it did, the whole room, it was like I got a bad case of vertigo. Mm. And everything just went dizzy. Yeah. And um, after it got really cool in the room, and that was before I got into uh, paranormal and all that. And it, that was crazy when that happened. And I got rid of the board, and uh, I didn't mess with uh, any of that stuff for a while. And I got back into it. 
And I think now on like three boards, <laughs> but I don't even use them anymore. Um, yeah. They're just put up. I've got like one that was um, a glow-in-the-dark one because I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I've got a, a standard board, and then I've got one that's actually made out of wood with an actual wood planchette. Mm. And um, I keep all the pieces of it separate. Nothing's together. That way, no light can get to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all separated. So I'm covering my bases on that. Yeah. I've had my experience. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely don't have any Ouija boards. (laughs) I guess I'm the oddball out of of our group. Um, I mean, we've used them before. And when I was younger and... Nothing ever comes, nothing good ever comes from <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I remember uh, my sister and uh, another person using the board um, a good bit. And that she she said that she was talking to this little kid named, I want to remember if it was like Tommy or something like that. And his dad um, was some sort of a businessman, if I remember right. But Tommy owned a pet, and this pet was a bear, a bear cub. You know, according to the spirit mm-hmm. on the board, you know, I was a little right. kid. Well, I asked if I could get on it with him one day, and um, I was standing 10 feet away from the board mm-hmm. while they were using it. Yeah. And I looked over at my sister and I was like, hey, can I get on the board with you? And all of a sudden, the planchette went to no. Wow. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that was cool. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, who knows, you know? I've been accused of moving the planchette. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, the one thing I've never done is use the board by myself because I know that is kind of a stupid thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't ask if when I was using one I never asked personal questions and that's something else you don't do you don't ask anything personal about yourself or anybody in your family right so I did follow those rules you know and I always ask the board to say goodbye before I ever got off the board right whatever spirit to say goodbye because that way I knew it got off the board even if it spelled goodbye backwards Mm -hmm. I would make it say it correctly to know that the board was clear. I wasn't leaving doors open. I wasn't right. stupid. So, and, um, <laughs> it, I don't know. It, it just a lot of weird experiences with stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Um, have you had any personal experiences? I mean, I have. I've had certain ones that have, you know, stuck with me over the years yeah. you know and one of the big ones that come to my comes to mind was when I was younger we um well when I was like right before I started kindergarten okay we moved in with my grandmother and I ended up with a room in the very back she had like one of those long single wide trailers yeah you know because I mean that trailer was back from the 70s mm-hmm. you know so I, I ended up with the room in the very back of the trailer. And I would, I would sit, I would lay there. I got to, and I would, and thinking back now, you know, 
stuff that brings it to mind. I would end up like, I still do it sometimes. I, it's just, it's weird. I'll, um, I'll have the covers all the way over my head, but just like a yeah. spot for my mouth to stick through. Yep. And I always thought it was just, you know, to keep the light and stuff out. And I got to thinking back when I, I when I first started doing it, we would leave that door, my door open. Well, my bed uh, was against the other wall, like long, like coming out into the middle of the room. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The headboard was against the far wall from the door. So you could see straight down the wall, uh, down the hallway. Right. And it was one of those long hallways, bedrooms off on the sides. That's a long distance to run when you're a kid. Yeah. I lived in a single eye growing up, so I know what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, I would sit there, well, lay there, and look down this hallway, and I always seen it looked it looked like a figure of a woman, mm-hmm. but it was almost like it was rotting. Yeah, I believe I covered my head too. Seeing something you know, like that, it was like you could see the the skin just kind of just falling off of the face, and and you were how old when this was going on? Well, I started kindergarten when I was six because the way my birthday fell, so wow. I was right in between five and six. So, all right, five or six years old, seeing something like that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that would definitely stick in your head, man. And it's not like it only happened the one time. It happened for years. Jeez. And we finally, um, we ended up adding a, an addition to that house, to the trailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a whole, like, I think there were two bedrooms, a living room, and a bathroom on that side. Well, I ended up keeping the same bedroom because my grandmother got one of those new bedrooms and my parents got one of the new bedrooms. Right. Well, I kept still uh, still having the same occurrence until we, we literally pulled that trailer out, mm-hmm. separated it, and finished off the rest of the house. Right. And didn't have any any other problem after that in the house. So, I mean, I think I was 12, something like that. So, for six years that went on. Yeah. That's crazy. And, like, she would get get closer and closer to the room. And that's when I noticed I started pulling the cover all the way up over my head. Mm Mm-hmm. And I started, like, having a fan of just a regular you know, oscillating fan right. going all the time. And I still like to have a fan when I'm sleeping. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. I do the same thing. I think it's a noise factor for me, though. But I also like staying cool when I sleep. I do, too. And it's getting a little harder now because my <laughs> wife got a um, heated uh, mattress pad. Oh, no. So I mean, I can adjust my my side oh, to, what, to whatever I want, you know. Right. So sometimes I'll put it just on my feet. Because you can adjust it in like three spots. Your head, your body, and your feet. I can do my feet, but the rest of my body has to stay cool. Especially my head. Yeah. So we bought like those my pillows, you know, that you see on TV. Yeah. And it stays pretty cool. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. But yeah, ever since that, you know, I, I don't know if that's what really made me 
go into it. And going back to it, she kept getting closer and closer. I remember one time it got all the way, she got all the way. I said she, I mean, it was wearing, looked like it was wearing a dress. So I'm going to say it was a woman, kind of scraggly hair. Okay. Um, Got all, she was, it seemed like she was right there, right up at the end of the bed when I got the covers pulled up. Wow. And I remember at one point I felt like uh, a depression into the bed. I bet you sleep in uh, the fetal position too, don't you? I sleep on my side. Yeah. Now. So, yeah. Um, that, mm. You know, that kind of reminds me of when I was growing up. Uh, we lived, uh, I was in third grade, so I can't even remember how old I was. Uh, we had, my uh, grandmother wanted a big house. So my grandfather oh. bought a big house in um, the next town, so I'll tell them. And it was like a two-story antebellum house. Oh, okay. So it was like what my grandmother wanted. So we all moved in together. Um, we put up the land and the house and the trailer up for sale, and we moved in. And right before we moved in, my sister and uh, our mother was in a uh, real bad car wreck. Had a Jeep hit them head on 70 miles an hour. So it put my sister in a um, body cast um, from the waist down, both legs, you know, broke mm-hmm. and all that. So my grandfather talked to somebody and was able to get a, a hospital bed for my sister. And <laughs> when we moved into the house, she was in the living room in the hospital bed. Our mother slept on the couch. I slept in a room a little bit further down the hallway mm-hmm. and uh, my grandmother and my grandfather slept upstairs and the weird thing is the upstairs was like a big open vacant room right just, I mean it wasn't even separated it was just a huge room upstairs mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> the uh, they would take my sister and push her up against the back of the couch and let the rail down and that way, if she needed anything, all she had to do was hit the back of the couch. Our mother would wake up, tend to her needs, you know, and then lay back down. Now, keep in mind, I'm in third grade, you know. Mm-hmm. No cares in the world, right? Well, the next morning, when everybody woke up, my sister would be back up against the wall, which was five feet away. The rail to the hospital bed would be up. And a chair from the kitchen, which was like down the hall, and the doors going into the kitchen were like the old, um, they call uh, what is it, um, like the old French doors that swing, like Western. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was it was those doors going into the dining room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the chair, one chair from that room, was all the way into the living room, sitting in front of the bed in an angle like somebody had been sitting there watching her all night. Hmm. Now, my grandfather, he worked for the city at the time. He swears up and down, he didn't do it. My grandmother was a stay-at-home woman. Mm-hmm. She didn't do it because her daughter, our mother, was already downstairs. Why do it? I didn't do it. And 
my sister said that she never felt the bed move either. Hmm. So that that's one of the weird things. Um, another weird thing is the uh, uh, front room at the very front of the house. Um, you come up on the porch from the outside. You come in, and if you look over to the right, was a room. Well, you go in that room, which we never used, even in the middle of July. And you know, July in freaking Mississippi is like oh. sweltering. Yeah. That room by itself was like a meat locker. Every other place in the house was either hot or it was like tolerable. But that was the only room that was like freezing. And um, we were told that there was a, um, the house, there was two stories, I don't know which, I still haven't found out the truth on this, that the house had, was, there was two rumors, that the house was a, a um, boarding house, and a guy got really bad depressed, he was renting the room, went in, and above the fireplace was a um, mantle that had a mirror, huge mirror over it. And... The rumor was that he slit his throat and watched himself bleed out and collapse on the floor and die. The other story was was the house was used as a uh, uh, what was it a, a Civil War um, hospital? Yeah, hospital for recuperation because oh, okay. it wasn't in near any war. Mm-hmm. It was like you know you're really bad wounded. They bring you here to get better, then they put you back out. Right. And that someone had died there. So I, I really don't know the true story about, you know, that. Um, I do remember that during Halloween, people would be coming down the block, they'll get to our driveway, they'll go across the street to the next house, go to that house, come back down, come back down across the block. So they would literally skip our house. And I mean, it just had a bad vibe to it the house itself if you saw it from the outside looked like the old um, empty veil horror mm-hmm. in front of the house it looked like that with the two weird windows up front but it wasn't like the uh, the um, the half circle line yeah. um, windows they were just regular windows and there was a five foot section and it was probably about the width well I say five foot um, it's probably the width of our our studio from this wall to that wall. Right. Separating the two two windows. And it just came out from the wall and blocked off. There was no reason for it. <laughs> and it was speculated that something was buried in the wall. Nobody knows because there was no rhyme or reason for that section to be between the windows at all. It was just wasted space. Yeah. Um, and the thing that got me when I was growing up there was one night as a kid um, I had a toy and you know like most boys we have our shelves over our bed oh yeah um, and I had a toy up there um, above the bed and in the middle of the night I heard you know you hear your toy or something shuffle over your head you wake up well the toy I had was pushed up all the way against the wall and there was probably two inches from the edge of the toy to the end of the shelf Mm -hmm. so there was plenty of room the next morning when I got up that 
toy had been pushed toward the edge of the uh, shelf, an inch of the toy was hanging over the shelf. Huh. And if it had fell, it would have fell right on me. Yeah. So I think I was up until like 16 years of age after that. I slept in the middle of the bed. <laughs> Covers pulled under me in the fetal position. I mean, you couldn't even untuck me for anything. I mean, there was a big wad. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then after that is when I started getting into paranormal. I had to know what was out there. Yeah. Because I started thinking, all right, we're taught in school. There's a God. Mm -hmm. There's a devil. Well, if we're learning about one, there's got to be something about the other. So, and they always say, if you want to know your enemy, you've got to learn your enemy. Right. And if the devil's our enemy, but nobody's willing to tell us anything except for he's evil, well, that to me, that just didn't work. I had to know more about what was going on. Yeah. So I started getting into the paranormal, and I guess that's what started. It was that house. So, and I've had some other weird things happen but you know those are going to stay uh, quite personal so um, I know after my grandfather died uh, I couldn't go over to my grandmother's and grandfather's house um, the door <laughs> the door that going into their house from the carport had like the step uh, windows had okay. like yeah. one then up one and another mm -hmm. one Yeah, I could go over at night and I couldn't look in those windows. I always had to keep my head down at the doorknob when I walked in. And as soon as I walked in, I had to flip on the switch in the utility room. Because there was no way I could look up. I don't know. Something was just telling me, don't look in those windows. Huh. I, I don't know. I'm scared of what I want to saw or something. Yeah. So, just never did. So. Crazy stuff, man. Some yeah. Very crazy stuff. I think I got a, um, another user, or not user, what do you want to call it, listener story here. Um, this is from, all people were just giving us first names. It's cool. The person's name is Dave. Did this one. It's kind of... Appreciate it, Dave. It says, uh, my family traveled to the south of France to stay in a cottage owned by someone my dad worked with. Apparently, this you you know they were from somewhere in France. Or, yeah. So it's it's nice to have you know listeners you know in other countries you know. It is. You know, um, Andrew Dexter you know from Wales. Mm -hmm. So I mean, th thank you for you know everybody you know across the pond and taking your time listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it says my tra my family travels to the south of France to stay in a cottage owned by someone my dad worked with. The owners visited occasionally, but that summer it was free and we had 10 days booked in there. After a long two days on the road, we drove down a steep driveway towards a secluded mill cottage with the water wheel sat static alongside the stone house. There was a deep cellar with stone stairs down under the wheel next to the house. Moving water. Moving water. Yeah. 
that that's that's something as far as you know um us paranormal investigators you know you always we always try to look for a, a moving water source yep that or limestone or quartz yeah something that can trap energy yep or amplify energy also water definitely amplifies yeah says so, uh, we went into the house and uh, chose rooms but being sat down and being sat down in a small copsy the house was draft and cold from lack of use we settled in and turned all the heating on yet the house remained cold and felt damp the first night we had set a fire in the living room I'm hoping in the fireplace <laughs> and listened to a couple of audiobooks before my sister and I went to sleep my parents stayed up a little longer then went to bed around midnight they woke up at the exact same time and the door to their bedroom was slow opening slowly at first they thought it was my sister until they saw a large dark silhouette of a man framed in the doorway standing stock still just looking in their direction as if appraising them after a short period the shape turned and started to move as if satisfied and disappeared they looked at each other but didn't speak and both went back to sleep. The next morning the house felt warm and dry. The sunlight was back through the windows as if as if something had lifted and accepted them. They spoke the next day and both agreed that although they were skeptics, it could it could not have been anything other than something supernatural in that doorway deciding mm -hmm. their worth. And that was from Dave. You know, it's kind of creepy getting measured up. Yeah. I mean, if, if a shadow figure sits there and measures you up, mm -hmm. that's a, that's, you know, that's an uneasy, unsettling feeling. Yeah, and, you know, our experience, you know, sh you know shadow figures, you know, yeah. it's not a good thing. No. Most of the time, I mean. I mean, it could be good, but, I mean. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing that the, yeah, it, it determined, hey, these are good folk, I'm out of here, you know. It could, yeah. you know, it could have been like a past owner of the place, right. know, making sure they were going to take care of it. Yeah. We've heard cases of that happening. Um, but then again, we've heard cases of shadow figures lingering and not liking people in their territory and trying to get people out so mm -hmm. goes both ways so who knows um <laughs> another story i think i've already told you this one but i'll let the listeners know um what was it like two years ago three years ago everybody was doing that charlie charlie oh yeah yeah thing uh i was at the time out on a date and uh, with, this is before Dreamer. Mm. <laughs> and um, we were out and uh, got a phone call. And Logan, who is no longer with part of our investigational group, but he had called and he was in a frantic. I mean, you could hear in his voice. He was like, When you get home, when you get home. I was like, why what's going on he was like we're scared we're outside I was like 
what's going on? And he told me that he and his girlfriend at the time took two pencils, did the Charlie Charlie thing, then asked, are you here? Make, make something move. Prove that you're here. And an extension cord that was on the sh um, in the laundry room above the um, dryer had fell about that same time and it hit the top of the dryer. Of course, you know, boom. Right. He said they bolted out of the house because <laughs> it scared the stew out of them. But what it was is earlier that day we were going to, um, where was it, Bay Springs to the lake. Mm -hmm. So we were getting like the little handheld coolers to put sandwiches and yeah. cokes in, and we just didn't put the cord back good enough apparently, and it just fell at the right proper time, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it, it scared the stew out of me. That's one of the funny moments. So, not everything is paranormal. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of some other weird things that's going on. That um, Athens. Mm -hmm. um, remember when we were there and um, the two new guys? Yeah. Went in and they said that they were having weird feelings and everything. Yeah. So yeah, that was funny. Well, what, I, what I thought was interesting about that, though, was when we were there that time was with them, the the cigarette butts. Oh, yeah. They, they would just appear and... Yeah, that was kind of crazy. It wouldn't be in the room and you go, we go in there, you know, 15 minutes later and they'd be there. Yeah, and then the smell of smoke, too. Yeah. And, and the weird thing is nobody smoked. Yeah. That was crazy. And then the whole time we did our first investigation, just you and I, mm -hmm. we all, you and I both had the same weird feeling that somebody was facing walk through that front door. Yeah. The whole time. I wish we, there was a way we could lock it, but. Right. Yeah, not that place. That was weird, though. Yeah. When you get a feeling like somebody's just fixing a bust in through a door like that, and you're already in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. that's an that's a unsettling feeling. That was kind of creepy. Fun, though. It was fun. Yeah. The other other creepy one was when we went to um, Coons. Ah. Uh, yeah, Coons was... That was definitely... For um, some of our listeners, um, Coons, it was... What was it? Coons... Uh, Sanatorium. It was... It was a... Yeah... It was a mental health hospital. It started off as a veterans hospital. Yeah. 1800s. Mm-hmm. And then it went into a sanitarium um, later. They put right. on another wing to it. Yeah. And when we went there, I mean, the place was falling apart, you know. Um, the roofs, or the ceilings were collapsing, yeah. you know. Oh, I know what you're fixing to talk about. We uh, start, started yeah. up that um, that stair, stairwell. Yeah. Now, yeah. all right, keep in mind, guys, um, what he's not telling you is before we went, um, we were doing our research on the place, 
um, trying to find out its back history and all. And we had found out that uh, six months prior. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Right around six months prior, um, unfortunately, a lady from another county had been abducted. Um, She was 60 years old. She was in her 60s. Yeah, Yeah. and um, she was abducted from her home for some reason, taken there, and tragically lost her life in a very brutal way. Um, And the only way that she was found was another paranormal group that came in to investigate the place actually came across her body that was in the wood line. Yeah. Well, say 100 yards from the building. Yeah, something like that. And, um... Uh, it, it's you know not not a very nice thing when you hear about that but we go down we're doing this investigation but we can't do an investigation due to the fact that the shape of the building like he was saying it, it, I mean it was in bad shape it's falling down the roof was falling down on us um, you couldn't hardly walk anywhere yeah exposed rebar everywhere yeah um, couldn't been vagrants right around the next corner. I mean, it, it was just very unsafe place. Yeah. But go ahead, Merle. Okay. But um, we started up the this stairwell and kind of find out it was a stairwell that this poor woman was murdered in. Yeah. There was still blood, like blood stain, not like glob blood, but blood stain on the the. Stairs. Yeah, there's the, trace mounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, we start going up the, the steps, and I make it to the the land the you first know there's landing. a la- first landing there's a landing you know you go up one set of stairs there's a landing and then you go up the next set to yeah you got to the doorway to the, yeah you got to turn slightly yeah to go up the other set before you get to the second floor floor well I made it halfway up and that's when I got extremely nauseous like. It was like it was hard to breathe, yeah. and I felt like I was gonna throw up. Um, started getting a little bit of vertigo. And he, now keep in mind, he's behind me. I'm the one leading the way. Yeah. And he's like, "Dude, I'm not feeling very well." And he's telling me what he's feeling. And I'm like, "All right, well, do you want to just wait right here because where we're at, it's like a window on that landing, mm-hmm. and there was no glass in it, so." He could catch his breath, get some air. And I told him, I'll go on up and I'll wait for you. I take, what, two more steps up that landing? Yeah. And as soon... Yeah. Um, you, you make up those, those two steps and... It was like... That's when you heard that crunch yeah like i mean i just stopped dead in my tracks yeah and i kind of look at you and you're like and you kind of stood there for a second i was like what's going on yeah it's that prior military feeling yeah Yeah. and you're like i just heard glass break yeah stained frosting right you know right right on the inside of the door and yeah. I was waiting for somebody to walk around that corner into the doorway. Yeah. I mean, it was like somebody crunched glass. And that's when I got to where, I mean, I literally 
felt like I was going to throw up, and I had to actually go down and out, down down the steps and out of the building before it lifted. Yeah, I usually don't have that problem. No, I've never seen you have that problem. We've been on four investigations. Yeah, and I, I've never seen you like that. And you, the look on my face, because the way you were looking at me when I heard that glass and I looked back at you was like, it, it was it was not a good look. No. I was like, and then you were like, what's wrong? I was like, I think somebody's up there, man. Because it literally sounded like, you know, when you're trying to be like quiet and stealthy, but you step on glasses, it's like, kind of sound. Yeah. Man, I was, seriously, I was waiting for somebody to come around that corner into the doorway. And here I am, probably three steps away from the doorway. Mm -hmm. Not a good feeling. No. But. I, I think it would have been better if it was at nighttime. I think I could have handled it a little bit better. Yeah. But in broad daylight, I think that was most unnerving. Yeah, I think so too. So. Well, it looks like it's getting to be about that time. Okay. We're uh, a little over an hour in now. Yeah, I think we um, need to do our usual thing. Yeah, so um, we we like to you know thank you know our listeners for their um, their contributions to this episode. You know, sending in those stories and especially to uh, Andrew Dexter to sending us that video and um you know you know asking us to if we could listen to it um but uh i guess we're uh, fixing to get out of here and i say our next episode be on true crime do a true crime episode yeah yeah, we haven't done one of those yet. No. So. I've actually got good thought for one. Alright, well, uh, check back with us. Um, and hopefully we'll have a true crime episode for you next time. That's something kind of, you know. We'll combine it. We'll make it a true crime conspiracy. Alright. Alright, now now you got me wondering what you get what kind of idea you got. Oh so. yeah. That's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be a true crime conspiracy. Alright. Um But um We we'd also like to go ahead and think again uh thank give our thanks again to our production company, um Bearded Padre Productions. And I'd like to thank, you know, the Nerdy One Flavors Media Group for allowing us to be part of their podcast uh, media. Yep. Thank you, guys. And so, thank you from all of us in Mainstream Paranormal. Which is only two of us right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're in the Tupelo, Mississippi area, um, we are needing some yeah. um, investigators. Uh we are also looking for people that can do audio and video. Yes. Um, 
we're gonna we've purchased to, all this new equipment and can't use it yeah we're uh, we're trying to expand and go some different routes with our uh, filming and audio um, so we need some new people um, like I said uh, Logan is no longer part of the crew right unfortunately he has moved um, uh, um, I can't I, Talking about Trevor? Yeah, Trevor. Um, yeah, Tre- Trevor just li- lives so far away, and yeah. he's got a new job, so it's kind of limited his his ability to be with us. So yeah. we are definitely needing three to four more people. Yeah. To uh, to help out. Um, so if you're interested, shoot us a email. Um, get in touch with us. Yeah, you can get you can you know email us. Um, go ahead and um, do it right here to the podcast at mainstream paranormal podcast at gmail dot com. Yep. Uh, or shoot us a message from uh, Facebook. Facebook. Either um, at mainstream paranormal podcast or mainstream paranormal the paranormal investigators. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, again, I. I want to say thanks to everybody uh, sending in all the messages and um, letters and their stories and uh, I'm going to hand it over to Merle and we're going to get out of here and uh, hopefully hear from you guys later. Alright. Like you said, um, uh, thanks from all of us. Um, I'm Merle. I'm Larry. And we'll see you on the other side. Good night, guys.